Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives, from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Hello everyone, welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla, and today I have a very special guest, Dr. Josh Funk. Josh is the founder and CEO of Rehab to Perform. Welcome to the show, Josh. Otto, thanks for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for coming, my pleasure. So before we go into your business story, I like the audience to get to know you as an individual a little bit better. Are you originally from the DC, Maryland, Northern Virginia area? Yes, I grew up in Montgomery County, Maryland. I spent the first 14 years of my life in Germantown. Uh, and then I got into a science magnet program at Poolsville, which then prompted my mom to move out to Poolsville, Maryland. Got it. Okay. So always Montgomery County then? Yes. And I live in MoCo now. And uh, I've, I've lived in various uh, places from Clarksburg to Gaithersburg, and now I reside in Kensington. Oh, okay. Great. So growing up in MoCo, how, how was it? What were you into as a kid? Do you remember? What did you like? You know, it's crazy. Germantown was nowhere near what it is now in that I can remember the area in which the Hoyts Germantown movie theater, uh, before that, it being a bovine or pig farm. I didn't even hear of Clarksburg growing up. And in terms of myself on a, on a personal level, you know, there was still like a lot of town teams and, and smaller organizations for sports. I played nine different sports growing up. Uh, and just the opportunity to play, you know, in Germantown, in Gaithersburg for certain sports, some out in Damascus, some in Poolsville, um, and, and kind of find my identity through athletics. Uh, that was a huge part of my, my upbringing, you know, different season, different sport, obviously put everything you can into academics, but also make sure that from an athletic standpoint, um, that you're, you know, kind of, kind of finding your way and, and figuring out which sport uh, w was going to be best for you. And, you know, it wasn't until college that I found that, you know, lacrosse ended up being that sport. Okay. Wow. So growing up, I mean, you and your parents must have been busy shuttling you everywhere with all these different nine sports. Yeah, no, it was, it was, you know, different season, different sport allowed me to try things uh, and decide whether or not I liked it or not. I mean, I, if I, if I take it from the early years, you know, I did gymnastics and, and martial arts, and that wasn't something that I did for more than a, a couple of years before transitioning into swimming, soccer, basketball, and baseball, you know, and that was uh, a big part of my elementary school years. Uh, and then if we add into it, you know, everything from wrestling to lacrosse to football, uh, I kind of ran the, the, the full gamut of, 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 of athletic endeavors. So, um, you know, you, you figure out what you like. And I just feel fortunate that I was in a household where I was pushed 
to try so many different things. Uh, and I think if anything, it's given me a, a full appreciation for all the different activities out there. And if anything, made it easier for me to be an active adult because I've had so much exposure to different sporting activities. Josh, I'm curious, are both of your parents athletes or they were growing up or where did that push come from, you think? Yeah, I mean, my, my dad played football at Penn State. My mom uh, has just always been active. I mean, she's still, and I will not disclose her age, but she is still running. We are signed up for a, uh, a running event here where we've shared everything from a half marathon to ran 5Ks before. Um, so, she, you know, she's definitely been somebody, I think, from a culture of physical activity standpoint, uh, that it's always been a part of her life. And it was just natural for, you know, for that to get passed on to, to my siblings. I see. You mentioned college lacrosse. So it sounds like that was eventually your passion lacrosse that you decided to continue with that playing college. Yes. I mean, I definitely had more of an affinity for two sports in high school. I uh, played football, played lacrosse uh, at a high level. Uh, basketball was something I did just to kind of stay in shape. So um, when it came down to it, you know, lacrosse was definitely something I had put more time and energy into uh, and felt strongly that I was going to be able to play at the highest possible level. Uh, and for me, that was, you know, considering a lot of state schools, whether or not it was Notre Dame and Penn State or, you know, Virginia, Maryland, and then eventually I chose uh, Ohio. So you went to Ohio for college? Yes, the Ohio State University. When you were going to Ohio, did you already know as far as what major or what you wanted to pursue, or did that come later? Uh, honestly, I, I started out college with a very, very general biology degree. And it was not until my sophomore year where I actually got hurt that I got exposed to physical rehabilitation, which, uh, you know, at Ohio State was athletic training and it was physical therapy. So, those two different professions interacting was probably why I'm here today. Me getting injured, me seeing my identity compromised, not being able to practice uh, with the team, me having to do stuff differently, me not feeling my usual 100%, me not being confident in a certain area of my body. Um, but the interactions and overall the experience in itself put me in a situation where I was like, you know what? I can see myself doing this someday. Well, it's interesting that going through that, you found your career and what you do now. Yes. Yeah. No, um, it, it, it is a, a blessing uh, to have something happen to you that you are able to turn that into something that happened for you. So, you know, although, I, you know, I was able to play the rest of the year that year, the, okay. the physician came to me and said, hey, you can play, you're going to need surgery. If this gets any worse, you might not be able to function nearly as well, which I would say I was probably like, you know, anywhere between 65 to 90% throughout the course of the year that year, you know, I, I, I regained a lot of function by the end of the season. Um, but I definitely wasn't my best both physically uh, and psychologically. But just being fortunate to um, turn something that, that, that could be a negative, you know, your first injury uh, and be able to turn that into a positive. And now look what it is today. I mean, it's turned into something so much, so much bigger than that. I feel blessed. Yeah, definitely. So you graduate Ohio with a biology degree. I ended up switching to health and uh, health sciences, a okay. health and wellness concentration, because that actually ended up being a better fit for me 
from a major standpoint with regards to the prerequisites. And if I'm being fully candid, was not as hard as finishing the array of biochemistry and organic chemistry that I was going to have to do in the bio track. So, you know, it, it better positioned me, also allowed me to uh, uh, not have my GPA take as much of a beating uh, and put me in a situation where I got into a majority of the PT schools that I applied to. Okay. And so right after graduation from Ohio, did you go straight to PT school or what happened afterwards? I went straight into PT school. So I actually graduated on a Sunday and started grad school on a Monday. I don't think anybody <laughs> else can say that they had literally a 24 hour spurt in between your actual physical graduation and you starting graduate school. No break at all. Wow. <laughs> no. Um, and that, you know, led to some challenging moments in, in grad school. I think sometimes you just get a little bit of a, uh, school fatigue, but I found ways to break it up. Honestly, I played professional lacrosse for two years while I was there. So there were some spurts where, uh, you know, my schedule was changing and adjusting a little bit to ensure that I could do that. Uh, the time commitment for that was two or three days. It wasn't necessarily all week because as I'm sure many people are aware, you know, lacrosse is not necessarily in that upper echelon of your, 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 your big name sports or the big four sports with regards to time and the financial gain as a result of playing the sport but um you know i've always kind of found a way to to read myself well and, and know what i needed on a on a well-rounded level uh to ensure that i'm able to continue to be effective and to, to be able to move forward did you stay in ohio for grad school no i came back to maryland um which for you know if people are familiar with university of maryland the the medical system it is in baltimore so i lived very very close to pickles pub and uh you know, the Orioles Park. Okay, great. So you did all PT school in Baltimore. And, and then after that, what happened? After that, uh, you know, I was going through PT school. Um, and I'll tie in lacrosse again. I was doing camps and clinics throughout PT school. I was playing professional lacrosse. And I was doing a little bit of personal training. So I was doing a little bit of everything in addition to going through school. And I think that was probably outside of me also uh, delivering the Montgomery County Gazette as a kid on Wednesdays, where I got my entrepreneurial bug. And the first company that I actually started was a lacrosse services company called Lax Factory. So I graduated from the University of Maryland. I started my PT career. And at the same time, I started a lacrosse company, which some may call a side hustle, but I loved it. I loved teaching. I loved working with youth. Um, and that was my first business that started in the August of 2011. So doing PT during the day and lacrosse coach by night. Wow. So, so that was the business as you were coaching lacrosse, right? Yes. Camps, clinics, and then we actually had club teams uh, and the program up until 2018. Uh, and we had 260 kids uh, approximately in the club program uh, at the time that I transitioned it on. And this was all based sort of the Maryland, Baltimore area as far as your lacrosse coaching? Yes. Uh, majority of it actually was Northern Montgomery County and Frederick County. So a bulk of those kids were kind of from the area where I spent most of my time growing up, um, as well as an area where I just had developed some connections when it came to some of the private lessons, the small group sessions and the camps that I was running. That's interesting. 
once you graduate PT school, do you, what are you thinking? Are you thinking going full time to lacrosse or what, what are your thoughts then? You know, it's so funny. My, um, my mom remembers the moment where I was like thinking about, you know, I ran it, but I was like, dad, I should just quit PT school and just do lacrosse stuff. Like, you know, it's going great. Like I'm, I'm, I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm making money. Like I hate school. I don't like what I'm learning. Like, um, and it ended up, you know, obviously not being something that I, that I quit on and I, I kept moving forward. Um, but, uh, I don't know that I ever fully had an appreciation for what eventually my PT, uh, passion would turn into. Cause really it was, it was during my third year of PT school in which I was operating in different PT clinics and also ex having experienced PT myself out in the mainstream as what I would call it, you know, life outside of division one athletics. And I was just in a position where I was like, you know what, I think I can do something differently that would allow a lot of people to experience more of a division one athletic setting with regards to physical therapy or physical rehab. And you are doing things very differently. Yes. I mean, if I walk out this door and go show you the facility, like we've got turf, we've got a lot of equipment from rogue fitness and perform better. Um, there's potentially uh Kygo post Malone Drake or something else on the, uh, on, on the sound system. Uh, and overall, I think an environment where people naturally are going to feel more connected to it. And dare I draw a, a rough parallel, such as like a, you know, maybe a, barbershop or your neighborhood bar like cheers where people are all very very excited they're connected to the space there's an energy when you walk in curious josh is prior to you graduating pt school were you thinking i'm going to open my practice my business one one day or what were your thoughts yes and i was very intentional about trying to learn business practices with the lacrosse company that I had, knowing that I would not be in a position where I would necessarily be in tremendous uh, in a tremendous risk, right? I would not be at risk knowing that I had a day job, right? My day job was then focused on working for other private practice owners, which I worked for two other private practice owners uh, during the three-year period before Rehab to Perform started up. So I got to learn business a little bit on the fly, with a job that was considered by many a, a side hustle. And I got to actually learn certain business practices from two people who I worked for, you know, or worked underneath of with regards to their personal uh, private practices. So kind of the best of both worlds. Uh, I'm not saying I had a, it all figured out, but I definitely learned enough to feel comfortable enough to, you know, take a chance on myself. Yeah. So once you graduate for three years, you go work for different practices until then you open and you hang up your own shingle per se. Yes. Yep. And that was uh, about actually about three and a half years after graduation. Uh, we had our, our, had our first standalone space uh, up in Frederick Indoor Sports Center, which is, uh, you know, a place that actually is on its final month or two before it gets transitioned, I believe, to some kind of like a storage or warehouse style facility. Um, but in between two turf fields, you know, it was a great place for adult social sports uh, and the youth soccer or lacrosse player. So that's where you start. This is where across the Wegmans, right? 
You got it, man. Yeah, yep. yeah. Wow, that's where you started. So that was a uh, number one. Okay. Yes, and you know we spent up until early part of 2016, you know, not really thinking about doing much else. But you know, we had grown. Um, the relationship there as a whole, from a business standpoint, had gotten to a point where there was just a little bit more friction. You know, there were certain things that maybe weren't quite uh, make, making it as easy for us to, to see ourselves there long-term and actually ended up being in a position where there was a conversation had where we mutually agreed to part ways. So we were given a short time period to, to find a new home and put ourselves in a position where, you know, you're looking at your first standalone space and being the lease, uh, you know, the, the, the person with their name on the lease instead of the sublease. Sure. And was that also in Frederick or was that in Montgomery County or elsewhere? Yep, it was uh, less than four miles down the road. We found a, a home right by the Frederick Airport. So for anybody who's familiar with Frederick Airport, Frederick Fairgrounds, we're right there uh, on a road calls, called Hughes Ford Road. And, you know, we've been there since July 2016. So coming up on six years here, and it's been great to us. You know, we, we opened the, the first day, July 1st, 2016. We actually did not have all the flooring down, which honestly is no different than when we opened up originally at Fisk, where we actually were treating outside of the space because flooring wasn't down either. So, uh, you know, uh, fortunately the, the place has improved with regards to is, its aesthetics and we've done a better job of timeline and, uh, you know, just lining things up so that there's less of a, uh, you know, this, this lag in, in expectation with regards to how a space should look to, to deliver the service. So, um, uh, yeah, it's been, uh, it's, it's always interesting to look back on some of your more humbling moments where I'm sitting on a table with rubber floors and then looking at where turf is supposed to be and just seeing concrete. Josh, how was it that first year with that new location? Because I know now you have several, but you know, just starting up your new business, how was that? If you can go back. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just kind of getting comfortable with the space. You know, we had a 1,200 square foot space previously that we were in control of that we were operating in. And now we had about 5,000. So about four times as much space. You don't quite know how to plan things, structure things, how the flow is going to be, how to design things, what to put on walls, what you actually feel like that you'll need. Um, so just going through that first year, I'd say just a ton of learning was going on. We had the, the trajectory with regards to our growth where I felt relatively comfortable about financially uh, taking care of that space, but really it was maximizing the space and ensuring that we were in a situation where we could be our best in that space and that our people were going to receive the best. So, you know, you don't walk in, it looks disjointed. Uh, it looks like it lacks intent and purpose. Uh, and instead creating a very, very uh, seamless and, and frictionless environment where you can do your best work. So that was six years ago, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. That was July 1st, 2016. That was our first standalone like brick and mortar. And now you have what, seven, eight plus and more going on. Seven and eight are coming. Seven should be opening on April 25th or the following Monday, just depending. Uh, I've been told we should have the space delivered to us April 18th to the 22nd. 
And then a uh, special surprise for number eight. But number seven is going to be in Gambrils. That'll be our second Anne Arundel office. Josh, in just six years, the amount of growth, man, it, it, it's crazy. Yeah, and you know, I, it's one of those things, and everybody talks about five-year plans and stuff. I don't really buy into that or believe that. I just try to focus on things over the course of like a 12 to 24-month uh, calendar. And I never envisioned this five years ago. I never envisioned this three years ago. So I think just to be able to be in a position where we continue to add people, we continue to add places, we continue to add geographical areas where we are providing a service. And to say that we, from a business metric standpoint, if I'm solely looking at objective markers, we're actually improving what it is that is going on behind the scenes with regards to those things that we're tracking despite growth occurring. A lot of people will sacrifice in certain areas and say, all right, that's a byproduct of growth, you know, growing pains. But we actually had every single metric in 2021 improve. You know, that's the back half of a pandemic. Like not only are you navigating growth, but you're navigating a pandemic and then you're sitting there and you're looking at your ecosystem of metrics and you're like, hey, we actually got better this year. So 2022, it's a new year. Can't expect the same things to necessarily happen. But I like to think that we have the people and process to continue to move forward and ensure that we're delivering uh, upon what we originally sought to deliver, which was that amazing healthcare experience. What are some of the metrics that you track? Uh, big two, I would say, is uh, net promoter score and churn rate. Uh, for okay. anybody who's not familiar with net promoter score, that's kind of considered a gold standard with regards to word of mouth referral or customer service loyalty, brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. And then churn rate, you can look at and set the amount of visits or uh, whatever is in your industry. For us, it's people and the visits that they will have come to before dropping off. You know, we want people to actually go through a course of care because we know that by spending a certain amount of time with us, we're going to deliver superior outcomes. But if somebody churns after, say, two or three visits, I think it's safe to say, like in a majority of situations, that individual didn't get better. They had a lack of alignment with what it is that we were trying to accomplish with them, right? That mutually agreed upon plan and process in the beginning, there was a deviation. They, they stopped the course of care. Um, and that's up to us to kind of uncover uh, and figure that out. So net promoter and score insurance rate, if I go into copay collectibles uh, or, or, you know, copay collection, uh, your, your arrival rate, which is a mix of like cancel and no-show rate. If I talk about Google reviews, if I go into also talking uh, about some of our stuff associated with, with, with revenue, whether it could be reimbursement per visit, uh, it could be reimbursement at an office, right? Revenue at an office, total revenue. So there's a lot of different metrics I could go into. I will sometimes classify them as more process oriented or some are more outcome oriented. Josh, many, not all, a lot of uh, physical therapy, chiropractor practices, when they go market is through doctor referrals from what I've seen. Do you do that? It sounds like your method is very different. Less than... 20% of our referrals each week will be physician referrals. 
So greater than 80% of our new patients each week will be a mix of word of mouth. There'll be a mix of something that through our ecosystem attracted them as a net new, or to be honest, a lot of times it's somebody coming in for a different body part. Um, outside of that, you could have physician referrals somewhere around that 10% range. And then we have a, a lot of fitness connectivity. So we do have a fair amount of people from the, you know, your, your gyms, whether or not that's personal trainers or group fitness instructors who also will be sending people to us as well. That's interesting. So you're almost, you flipped it. You're like the opposite. We want to function autonomously. We do not want to be reliant. We do not want to create reliance. Big medical keeps getting bigger. If we rely on a medical group who potentially could get enveloped uh, under a bigger medical group, we may lose that referral source. So we try to make sure we're diversifying referral sources. And if anything, taking advantage of something called direct access. We have unrestricted direct access in the state of Maryland with regards to PT. So a majority of people actually can come to us without a referral at all. They don't even have to go to their physician for a majority of the insurances that are available. That allows us to utilize direct to consumer marketing. And if we go to do direct to consumer marketing, we are creating top of mind awareness through relationships and storytelling. I think there's some stuff that we've done well right out of the gates. And if I, I'd, I'd be lying if I didn't say that that logo in itself is incredibly uh, amazing that that was our first logo right out of the gates. I mean, you talk about a logo that just pops, it's got negative space, it looks a little bit trendy. I'll never have to do another logo ever again. I do not know a whole lot of startups that really hit the home run right out of the gates. Uh, and then little things, you know, whether or not it's the t-shirts on the wall that are from uh, community partners or the, the organization that our patients are a part of that they get to kind of stamp their uh, presence in our four walls. You have uh, some of the affirmations on the wall. So the space itself I think is also just very aesthetically pleasing, like the gym space, you know, the rubber flooring, stuff that really speaks to people in terms of what they identify with or associate with a physically active environment. You know, when people come to PT, how are you going to present it such that it resonates with people? And then outside of that, I think we've done a really, really good job with messaging, whether or not that's website or advertising or some of the stuff on social media. Uh, people know what it is that we do and how we solve their problems. And I think uh, largely, especially as we dive more and more and more into the world of social media, uh, we hopefully will fulfill our potential by being what we want to be, which is the DMV area's best sports rehab and fitness focused physical therapy group. I love that. I love also that you just mentioned here, marketing and, and social media and the amount of information and content that you guys pump out it, do you have someone there in your team sort of leading the effort there, or is it just you? It's a lot of content you're throwing out there, which is great. It's a good mix. Some of it is me. Some of it is Matt. Uh, we also brought a media team in-house. So we have two individuals that are uh, kind of working with us on a, on a regular basis. We have some people on our team who have a natural affinity for social media. So some of them you've also been seeing more. Uh, and it's a great way to just kind of mix up the day a little bit, get people comfortable speaking on camera. Maybe that leads to them being effective with workshops or public speaking engagements in the community. So really it's a, it's a win-win all around. And I think as we continue to 
kind of hone what it is that we're doing from a strategy and calendar standpoint, uh, the more effective we'll be even in the months and years to come. I'm happy to see that how you're doing the marketing and the whole brand building with social media or, or just anything direct to consumer out there. And the majority of people in your industry, Josh, do not do that. What, what do you think that they don't, they just go the old school type of method, whether just docking on other doctor doors for referrals or not even focusing much on just build, building their brand. I think sometimes people uh, get stuck on a, on a playbook maybe that's worked in the past, but maybe aren't putting themselves in a position regularly where they're seeking ins inspiration elsewhere. And I think one of the big things that I always try to do, especially because the medical industry is, in my opinion, just very, very, very outdated, um, is look for inspiration elsewhere. It could be the tech industry, and I'll even say the fitness industry is way more innovative than healthcare, but I'm continually pulling inspiration from other industries, other companies outside of the, the medical and healthcare space, um, and ensuring that I'm doing everything I can to not just be an innovative healthcare practice, but a, be a, an innovative business overall. I like that. So it sounds like you're sort of leading the effort there in, with your team internally, as far as just thinking differently and getting inspiration from other industries. Definitely. My, my role as the CEO is the success of the company. And the success of the company is largely predicated on strategy and execution. And the more that I can pull from these other areas, other entities, other people, the better strategy that I can have. Um, and the more likely we can get into the game of chess uh, and ensure that we are running the chessboard uh, and getting to a point where, hey, Let's, let's make sure that we're, we're putting things uh, in, in a position where we're calling checkmate more often than not. Josh, you just mentioned earlier with turf and going into one of your facilities, you almost feel like you're, you're going not into a combine with football, but you're going into just a fitness place. Was that always your thought? Just you wanted to sort of not focus, but put a lot of attention into the athletes and if they get hurt and treating them? It was always about creating an environment that was not a grudge purchase. So when I went into and still do go into most healthcare places, it is sterile and stale. It is boring to look at. You have old furniture. The words intent and purpose are not thought of at all when interacting with the space. You have white walls, boring to no music nothing remotely that makes you think about health and wellness. So doing the opposite was actually what I focused on doing. You know, I wanted an environment with affirmations and quotes. I wanted stuff to pop. I wanted music playing. I'd rather have it air on the side of being a little bit too noisy at times than a little bit too quiet. I want people to wonder whether or not they're in a medical facility or a gym. That's exactly what we are going for. That's an environment that speaks to people. That's an environment that's memorable. That's an environment when I want to summarize it, people start to think this is a place where I can self-actualize more. Where can I tap into my potential? Where can I make sure that from a psychological and physical standpoint, I'm interacting every day and I know that I'm going to get back to potentially even greater than where I was prior to injury. Before having this vision, did you see it somewhere? Was someone else incorporating it elsewhere? I know you said you worked for a couple of uh, doctors before you, you opened your business, or was it just always you thinking about this? 
Man, that's a really, really tough one. I probably pulled inspiration from so many different places. And at the end of the day, you know what I'm doing? I am putting together an artwork or masterpiece that is a collection of what other people have taught me or inspired me to do. You know, um, this collection is a collection of my experiences, things that I've seen, things that I like, and things that I think that would be best. It'll potentially change. I mean, I just changed our magnets for the whiteboards as of today for our newest location. So there's little little stuff there. I mean, there's other things that we're looking to do with regards to aesthetics in the space. So um, every time uh, that I will move forward and go to things at other industry specific events, other businesses, I'll continually pull from. But I can't say that I looked at anything um, other than the current trends or current standards and said, you know what, this has to be changed. And we ideally will continue um, to put ourselves in a position where we look anti-medical or anti-healthcare, but are delivering the absolute best to when it comes to both of those uh, two categories. Josh, you, you mentioned earlier that when you open your first location, you never even dreamed of having seven plus in six years from then and now you have that did when you opened the first one did you have the goal of opening multiple ones or how did that come about though the growth was it organic or or what honestly it just kind of came about i mean I, we got to a point in time where gosh it was like six months into our first brick and mortar and i was like we are slammed here like we're on a 10-year lease what what do we do like we, we can't just keep adding more people here, you know? And then that's when you start to think that you actually have something, um, something small and not to say that it's something that we're ever gonna do, but I had multiple people who came in and went, is this like a corporate run or is this like a franchise or wh what's going on here? Like, this is, this is well done. And I was like, hmm, maybe we have something here. And you just start to get these little hints and little moments, you know, we won an award up at the Chamber of Commerce back-to-back -back years for, for small business. Um, you know, the patient load was packed. Our staff was very happy. They were enjoying themselves. You know, there was all these positive moments where you were like, we need to, sh we need to share this more. We need to try this again. And if I'm being honest, the second time opening up was a complete disaster for probably about three or four months. But here we are. And we, we eventually figured it out. And I can safely say that opening up new offices does get easier in a lot of respects because we're getting better and better and better at refining the playbook. But if I were to really answer your original question, had no idea, never imagined, and still sometimes have to absolutely pinch myself for just being in a situation where, especially after two years of a pandemic, we are so optimistic about our future. I'm glad you just mentioned the pandemic. How did COVID affect business? Quarter two for 2020 was pretty bad. I mean, having to have conversations where you're, have, you know, honestly furloughing people. You just don't know how long you're going to have a 40 to 60% drop on patient volume. And that's pretty much what it was. You know, that's, that's not sustainable. If that was going to last for a long period of time, we wouldn't have had the fully staffed place that we did at the end of 2020. At that point in time, we were only allowed to see what was called emergent cases. So you had post-op and workers' comp pretty much are the big ones. So somebody was rehabbing from an, a recent operation, 
or somebody um, that something might have happened through a workers' comp situation. They need to get back. They need to get uh, honestly back to back to work. You know, we see a lot of tactical athletes, fire, rescue, police. Uh, those are individuals that need to receive care to get back to it is they're, they're essential personnel. But, you know, getting back to a point where I think over the years we had created a lot of consumer confidence. And I think we did a, a, a really, really good job of internal and external comms communication during the pandemic to put a lot of people, our team, in a position to feel like they were safe and the people were interacting with our facility in a position to be safe. And those are both extremely important. And once again, internal and external communication to ensure that individuals can interact with your company, feel safe, and continue to work on that path of self-actualization. If you're hurt, you don't want to put that on the back burner. You want to get better. You want to keep working out. Okay, I'm more vulnerable to potentially side effects from the pandemic if I'm less healthy. What did a lot of people do? They doubled down on their health. We were a great place for people to continue um, as a, you know, as a support system to whatever it is they were trying to do from an activity and exercise standpoint. So um, that was really, really good to us. I mean, it's not to say there weren't waves depending on uh, the waves of COVID uh, where our business definitely was a little bit more challenged. You know, I, I reminding myself now when I feel like my head is spinning a mile a minute because of how busy we are. I'm reminded and I'm thinking about those times where I'm going, wow, schedule uh, doesn't look really busy. Uh, got a lot of gaps. How long is this going to last? So, you know, it, it, it's easy sometimes to maybe take things for granted, but the pandemic really, I think, put stuff into perspective, put our team in a situation where they were just focused on what we could control. So, you know what we did during the pandemic? We built a better business. We built better process. We built a better foundation. Uh, and if anything, it's allowing us to kind of uh, come out of this like a like a slingshot. What would you say drives you and motivates you now? Man, I like I like winning. I like having people around me win. I like being associated with things that win. I like being associated with winners. And I think when I look at business, the way to win is to impact. You impact your team, provide a tremendous working environment. You provide a place where the grass is so green that people don't want to leave. And then you impact lives of the people you are looking to provide a service or product to. So as we move forward, we want to continue to win in both of those areas. And um, I think that being somebody who's always on offense, being somebody who's always curious, uh, and surrounding myself with some amazing people that, I, that I, I still feel incredibly blessed and pinch myself every day to be sharing the space with, um, that we're going to be able to continue to win in the months and years to come. Josh, you just mentioned your team and how important it is, and I completely agree with you. How do you find the right players? And once you find that right player, where to place them, what position to put them in for you and them to succeed and thrive together? Gosh, what a great question. I could go three different ways with that. One, have a college roommate who just is uh, awesome and that you're eventually able to recruit into your team after three failed attempts previously. Another one could be, hey, just fortunately go to PT school with someone who also is a three-sport athlete, had a couple injuries, um, 
grew up down the street, you have a lot of mutual friends who ends up kind of being the first teammate uh, at R2P, who's also just an exceptional human being. Have somebody, when we open up our second office, who somehow comes in as a part-time team member that now is on our corporate team because of how much impact she's had. Thankfully, she found us. I don't have any special secret sauce to how she kind of came into the, uh, the, the, the ecosystem. And then um, if I think of other people, you know, good people recruit other good people and good people sometimes have other good friends and uh, look at the, just the relationship side of things. I mean, we just hired a COO that I've known for five years. It was just right place, right time where he was looking to make a, a switch from the place that he was at. Um, and we had developed a relationship for a significant amount of time which put him in a situation and I in a situation where we both knew what we had to offer one another. So I don't have a secret strategy there. I know a lot of people will claim to have one. Um, a mix of focusing on relationships, a, mo a mix of silly blind luck with sometimes people just falling into your lap, so to speak. Um, and other than that, continue to be attractive and not chasing. The more attractive that we make ourselves, the more that people will find their way uh, to be connected to what it is that we have going on and our people. It's so true. I'm curious, just being out there on the media, social media, I'm sure that also attracts also certain team members to want to work with you, right? Do you, have, have, has that happened to you? It has. Uh, our visibility has continued to increase. We just had 81 universities reach out to us across the country to place student interns with our company. That is significant reach. Our visibility as it continues to increase will only allow us to attract the best possible candidates for what it is that we are trying to accomplish. So yes, social media is great. Relationships at universities are great. Relationships and connectivity within your professional organizations is also extremely important. Um, and it really takes more of that, I've used it before, but an ecosystem approach uh, with regards to making sure that the best people continually find themselves in our in our environment and on our team. What advice would you give to someone if they came to you and said, hey, Josh, I want to start my own business, any type of business, could be healthcare, any, anything, product, service, any pointers or suggestions you would give to that person? I would, this is just recent. So uh, I think I would ask him a question of whether or not they need to be motivated to be an entrepreneur or motivated to start a business? And if their answer was yes, I would say, don't do it. It is who you are. It is how you operate. It is how your mind thinks on a regular basis. And I largely think that a majority of people would agree that the manner in which you are already operating at puts you in a situation where it is the only possible way for you to move forward. I do not see myself as being employable. I don't. And that's just because I'm continually seeking and searching with regards to solutions. And I don't know if that's for every single environment. So for the entrepreneur that's sitting here wondering if they have what it takes and potentially having to find motivation to wake up every day and move forward um, on whatever it is that they're good at or passionate about, just don't do it. That's some great advice. I know it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough, but uh, I think too often people are like, well, what motivates you? I, 
it's not a motivation thing. It's a, it's a passion. It's, it's a, this is who I am kind of thing. You know, like I wake up every day and I want to make sure that we build the best possible environment. I want to make sure that we build the best possible ecosystem for our team. I want to make sure that we impact as many people as possible. Um, and that's something I think to a certain extent was somewhat just innate to begin with. That's true. Are there any specific habits or traits you feel that have helped you, whether on your business or on your personal side of things? Working out in the morning and cooking breakfast in the morning are probably the two biggest things that I need from a routine standpoint. I am so much more calm and focused on a day in which I work out in the morning. It is night and day. When I do not work out, I'm a little bit more scattered. I don't know if my body's just naturally a little bit more jittery. I've had ADHD my entire life. So part of that might be, uh, you know, where that, where that comes from. And then I think outside of that, making breakfast is a time period in which is incredibly quiet and it's slow. And it allows me to kind of gather my thoughts and I'm, I'm not a meditator, but that's a moment of mindfulness for me. It allows me to center. It allows me to think about what would make today a great day. It would allow me to focus on what it is that I need to do to make today a great day. And ideally puts me in a great mental framework uh, to move forward and make sure that every day is be greater than yesterday. So workout and a good breakfast. Uh, cooking a good breakfast. Oh, okay. Oh, not just throwing something in the microwave, like putting something on the skillet, eggs, veggies, a little sauteed. You got a little bit of bacon maybe. And the only fast thing every now and then is maybe like a, a Greek yogurt. What's your biggest challenge with your role today at the business? Currently, I'm a little bit strapped time-wise um, because I'm seeing more patients. And that's honestly just because there's this pandemic bottleneck uh, has exploded. And whatever kind of uh, cap was on us is gone. I mean, we are going through growing pains with regards to the number of people that are coming into our space and having adequate staff. We need to make sure that we have adequate staff. So that's very, very simple. And then other than that, I just say my role continually changes. I think uh, a company where the, you know, the owner has five people versus we're about to hit the 50 person mark. Like my role, my schedule, the things that I do every day or every week or every month are going to continue to need to adapt. And it's just me being able to be aware enough to regulate myself and what it is that I'm doing to be whatever it is that I need to be during that moment, that time block, so that we focus on what I need to do on a macro, which is to be successful as an organization and to keep winning. That's great. What do you know now, Josh, that you wish you would have known at the start of your career? Wow, that is a great question. I think at this point in time, I think the only thing that I would have liked to have been better at, and it sounds so simple, is just the organizational structure, just calendaring, stuff that's just simple, but you know, being more organized in Google Drive. I, I think the the easier it is for you to just organize yourself uh, and structure, the easier, easier you are to be able to just move forward with clarity. And I think sometimes um, if I run into any issues, it's largely a byproduct of myself and certain like organizational shortcomings, 
where it's calendaring, it's email, um, it's, it's things that ideally, if I would have created maybe some better habits earlier on, I'd be further along than where I'm at right now. I know that's super boring, but it's, I, I'm not a look past person. I'm not a regret person. Um, I feel incredibly blessed. It's hard for me to sit back and say, I'd really do stuff differently. Cause if I did stuff differently, what's that butterfly effect look like? You know, I, I am where I am because of challenges that I've experienced. I am where I am because of failures. Uh, and without those, those, those pitfalls, so to speak, or those areas that I've gotten incredibly humbled, I wouldn't be here. So would I really change anything? I'd probably honestly say no. You, you just mentioned now failures and, you know, obviously with any business, there's most of the time ups and downs. Can you recollect any, any big failures that come to mind and what you do to maneuver around them? Two of them involved with trust and uh, advice. I gave somebody a certain chunk of money to start R2P that was going to handle things as it relates to insurance contracts and that money disappeared. A person disappeared. Wow. So that was a negative early on. And then I took advice associated with, uh, you know, putting together our new entity for our second location. And it actually ended up having us blocked out from the insurance network in Germantown. And we were then going to be considered out of network at the Germantown office. We were an in-network operation up until that point. It actually led to us receiving very, very little money for the first three to more three to four months of that new office. And unfortunately, I actually had to let somebody go within about two weeks of them joining us. I will never forget that feeling. That person has still never spoken to me ever since that day. Uh, and I think at the end of the day, it was just a, you know, a reminder. You have to make sure that you're always vetting advice. You are not having a first opinion given to you by someone and taking that for gold. You are making sure that you're getting a second, potentially a third opinion, and that you're doing your adequate due diligence, especially when it comes to people uh, and process that is so important, not just to yourself, but to others. Speaking about advice, you know, you can always get the wrong advice, just like you just mentioned, and good advice. Did, do you have, did you, have you had any mentors? And if so, what did you learn from them? No, I definitely had mentors. Um, for me, I think when I think of mentors, I think of very, very different arenas. Um, I remember somebody that I went to in the fitness industry, one of the owners of Soldier Fit that I went, hey, you really know what you're doing and I'm struggling. Do you mind sitting down with me and answering some questions? And I've had a relationship with him and uh, his co-founder ever since. So there's definitely mentorship there. I think largely you have people in your life on a personal level that mentor you in different ways, whether or not it's small bits of advice from say my wife or my mom um, on little ins and outs uh, that may not even be in their wheelhouse, but they just provide a different perspective. I think that's been incredibly beneficial. And I think outside of that, I've just sought mentorship more on a smaller, maybe shorter term level uh, in certain respects. But uh, yeah, I mean, that probably is a different answer than you were uh, expecting. But, you know, I, I frequently dive into different men business mentorship groups that maybe find myself in a situation where I'm 
with other business owners, but I wouldn't say any one given person. I'm in a program right now called Peer-to-Peer Network uh, with, that's with the Private Practice Association uh, or Private Practice Section of the APTA, which is American Physical Therapy Association. There's eight of us in there. You know, I, I'd say we're all trying to uh, provide some level of mentorship for each other on one, you know, on one level or the other. So, so this group right here, Josh, these are just other PT practices located in different areas of the country. Yep, different areas of the country, all similar space um, and similar size. Got it. Okay, that's good. Coming to an end here, here soon. What does the future look like for you and the company? What is the next couple of years? I have no idea, to be honest. Uh, the net, the the next year looks a lot more like the past. 12 months. Um, if we take July to July, we will have added four locations during that time period. And I'd like to think that we can continue to do at least something relatively similar. Um, I'd like to get to about that 10 and over location position. And I'd love to get to a point where we definitely are running the DMV. When you ask people in and around the DMV, Where's the best place to have a, you know, a high level physical therapy, a sports rehab experience, rehab to perform. You're definitely going to get there. I mean, I, I'm seeing it right now. I, I appreciate that. I, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic with the people that I get to share, you know, share space with every day. That's great. Josh, well, you're not busy working and, and I know you're extremely busy. What do you like to do for fun in your free time? Travel. For example, I'm going on a sprint right now with work stuff, and I know that in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be in more of a position where I can get away for a little bit. But warm weather, if there's waves, um, it's even better. Uh, and then sometimes just more simple moments with my family. You know, my sister's coming in town with her husband and her three little people this weekend. And those are moments where I just kind of get to disconnect um, and get back to you know, a little bit more of what I would call like simpler moments in life, moments that definitely should be appreciated, um, but things that definitely uh, are a very, very significant contrast to my working life. That's great. If people want to learn more about you and rehab to perform work and then go and find out more information. At Dr. Josh Funk, at Dr. Josh Funk on TikTok now, yes, TikTok, and Instagram. Uh, you can add me on LinkedIn, uh, you can add me on Facebook as well. I'm probably doing less on Facebook than I've ever done before, but I'm happy to connect. Uh, if you want to shoot me an email about anything, drfunk at rehabtoperform.com. Josh, I heard, I think you just recently got a viral video on TikTok, right? Man, I tell you what, we got something that's like 350 to 400 K and it's just how to tape an ankle. And I do not want to uh, devalue the significance of a good ankle tape job, but not a whole lot of strategy went into that. Not a whole lot of production. You're videoing something that an individual does every single day, almost with regularity. She could probably do it with her eyes closed. And it was something that so many people just thought it was interesting, which is awesome. Yeah. But it just goes to show you with content and stuff, just put it out there. Something that you might uh, deem to be very, very novel um, is viewed in much higher regard sometimes from others. So maybe, uh, the next TikTok influencer is here. <laughs> hey, I, I don't know. I mean, that's straight company page. And if rehab to perform keeps growing and my videos grow as well, I, 
that's a win-win. And hey, maybe only the rehab to perform account will grow. But at the end of the day, that you know, that, that's going to benefit the entire team. I mean, we talk about social proof. Social media is social proof. I'd argue that a certain amount of followers almost equates a certain amount of Google reviews online at this point in time, where people are looking for both. They want to go on Google, they want to see good reviews, and they want to go over to social media and they want to see an active, engaged uh, organization that has a certain amount of followers. Very true. Very true. Josh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thanks for your time today. Uh, and I appreciate the, yeah, the conversation we shared. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you. And I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.